I'll say this. I hate when I have slow internet and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one low monthly fee. Uh, I know that When I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or heritagedigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Welcome in to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Happy Wednesday, August 18th. I'm J.C. Sherbert. Good to be with you today. Um, Hope all is well. Lots of news and notes to get to. Meant to have a episode yesterday and things just kept hitting and hitting and hitting and uh, it got to be like five o'clock i'm like well i'll just save it for tomorrow my big media day is on wednesdays tuscaloosa radio and catch me at 7 30 uh, a.m i'm sorry 8 30 a.m eastern time tied 100.9 every wednesday and then of course we got jb and goldwater coming up 12 30 to 1 30 that's my big segment uh with those guys and i encourage everybody to listen to jb and goldwater it's uh Really good uh, information uh, and sports talk radio. You can stream it. You can podcast it, uh, whatever. want to thank my man, Will Gunner, from 107.5 The Game. Yesterday, had a short segment with him talking about Gamecocks. Uh, and so, yeah, big media day for me. Biggest story to come out uh, of fall camp with the Gamecocks yesterday was uh, the addition of a quarterback to the roster. <clears throat> Zeb Norland, who is uh, a guy that played at Iowa State. He's from uh, Oconee County in Watkinsville, Georgia, which is right outside of Athens. Um, Played at Iowa State, uh, got beat out by Brock Purdy after he got hurt. Uh, Went to North Dakota State where he backed up Trey Lance uh, and then played in the spring for the Bison. Didn't go so well. He got benched and decided to – walk away from the game and he got hired on as a graduate assistant at South Carolina. Um, and they've activated it. <clears throat> um, he's putting the pads back on Hill McGranahan from the big spur talked to his dad yesterday. You can read that. If you remember a complete interview. Uh, and his dad said this, and his dad's a high school football coach. He said, look, you know, not many people that hang it up, get a chance to put it back on and talking about the pads and the helmet and all that. And that's true. My dad used to tell me that when I played football, 
because uh, he played. And, you know, a lot of people I know uh, that played at any level uh, still have dreams about playing. You know, that, that football is something that never leaves you uh, completely. It's a unique sport because, you know, like if I'm a tennis player, I can play tennis up until I'm 70. If I'm a golfer, probably even further than that. I can always, if I'm a basketball player, I'm always going to play pickup basketball. Uh, baseball, you can join church league softball. Um, football and hockey are probably the two sports where once it's over, it's over. Uh, and, and you only get a finite amount of time to play the game. Uh, we don't have very many games in the sport. You know, it's, it's a taxing gladiator sport. Uh, and so you don't, you know, you get what 15, if you're in the pro 16, if you're in the pros guaranteed 12, if you're in college guaranteed every year, it's not a lot of games considering some of the numbers of games, other sports play. Um, and you add that up over time, but there's a very finite amount of time. And you don't spend a lot of time when you practice actually playing 11-on-11 tackle football. Um, And and so I understood all that. That sort of resonated with me. And, uh, you know, getting a chance to come back and put the pads on and play the game is good. Uh, As far as Zeb as a player, you know, he had a pretty impressive game against Oklahoma when he was at Iowa State and Shane Beamer was there. you know, obviously things didn't go well at North Dakota State last year. He got benched. Uh, I think he was five touchdowns, six picks. And, you know, that's a pretty proud program out there. They went seven, I think, seven and three and went the second round of the playoffs. But, you know, when you look at South Carolina's quarterback situation with Doty out, you know, they're down to two scholarship quarterbacks and a walk-on in Connor Jordan and – at the very least, you need somebody to kind of rep on two different fields uh, during practice, and that's a positive thing. And, and you also have a guy that's, you know, played in a football game in the last seven, eight months. You know, nobody else has. Jason Brown hasn't played in a football game since 2019. They didn't have a season at St. Francis last year. Uh, Connor Jordan has never gotten in a game, to my knowledge. Luke Doty uh, played last year at the end. Uh, but obviously he's hurt. So, and Colton Gothy is a true freshman. So when you look at it, I, I think it's a good sort of insurance policy to have. Uh, do I think he is going to be the starting quarterback at South Carolina this year? I would lean toward no, but I, I can't rule it out either. And it's just like Shane Beamer said, you know, he was, uh, if he's good enough to play, help him on the field. He will, if not, he won't. Um, I, I think he's got a good arm. I, I think, Looking back on it and reading up on him, what gets him in trouble sometimes is I think he trusts his arm a little too much. We've had quarterbacks like that around South Carolina. Um, And, uh, I mean, Jake Bentley did that sometimes, just to be honest. He kind of trusted his arm too much. Uh, Didn't play sometimes within the scheme. Uh, Whatever scheme they were trying to do, especially – uh, you know, some of those years <laughs> with McClendon and, and, and Roper calling the ball plays. But, um, you know, I, I think that Steven Garcia probably was another guy like that, you know, kind of trusted his arm too much sometimes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's got a good arm. And uh, obviously he's an older player with a lot of experience. Um, so I can't rule it out. Uh, you know, people ask me, oh, is he going to start? You know, I, I don't know. I you know, I would lean toward no, um, but we'll see. You know, a lot of that's going to be up to Luke Doty's foot if he can get back and also Jason Brown. You know, I think Jason Brown uh, has the inside track to be the starter against Eastern Illinois with Doty injured. 
but you know, if he can't do it, uh, Zeb Norland is the guy that can manage the game and get the Gamecocks in the right play and complete passes, not turn the ball over. Uh, I think he'll be the starter. I mean, you know, and same with Colton Gauthier or Connor Jordan. I, you know, I don't know that you rule anybody out right now. I will say, though, you know, some of the reports out there about Gauthier being the starter, that, that's just – I don't know where that came from. Uh, I'll tell you this, what I've heard from sources, they're very high on him. Uh, he's big. He's tall. He's a great kid. He works hard. He's got a rocket for an arm. Um you know, I sort of compare him, you know, as far as where he'll land in terms of being good or not, or being, you know, what, 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 I'm sorry, being good or not. For Colton, as far as a player goes, um, I would say somewhere between Blake Mitchell and Charlie Whitehurst, who used to play at Clemson. Blake, uh, of course, had the luxury of playing for Steve Spurrier and having Sidney Rice uh, as his main target. And, um, and all that, uh, and then had Kenny McKinley in 2007. Uh, Blake was in and out of the lineup under Spurrier, but, uh, you know, Blake's that tall pocket passer. Nobody would question Blake's arm. I mean, he, he had a really good arm. Uh, and then Whitehurst was a guy that kind of, you know, out of Georgia that was unheralded. If you guys remember, Willie Simmons was Clemson's starter, and he ended up beating him out and uh, played four years and obviously got the best of the Gamecocks. So, and stayed in the NFL for a while, and he's got hair like Colton. So, you know, I don't know. That, that, that's just kind of the range if you're looking for Colton Gauthier long term. Uh, anywhere in that range would be really good. Um, and so that's uh, that's the deal there for Colton. But, you know, the staff and my contacts on the staff and three different people told, told me this, you know, it was Jason Brown was the guy. I mean, you know, that they didn't – the Gauthier talk was just kind of talk. I'll, and at the same time, I'll recognize that there are people around the program that feel like he's really, really good. So um, that he's the future even. Uh, and so I, I'm not dismissing anyone else's report. I just think I, I got it from people that, you know, are a little more credible there uh, in terms of that. So we'll see how it goes. And look, if Colton Gauthier ends up starting, that means he's earned it. Obviously, even now with Zeb Norland in the mix, too, you know, that, that means he's beating out three different guys. Uh, and they're going to continue to battle. And I'm sure in the scrimmage this weekend, uh, they're going to put them under all kinds of duress and, and see how they handle certain situations. And, and for that reason, you know, I, I said yesterday uh, when I was on with Gunner, I, I said, you know, I'm looking for the offense because the defense got the best of the offense in the scrimmage, the first scrimmage. And that's usually how your first scrimmage goes. That, that kind of – has been happening around the SEC. If you've been listening to Josh Pate or anybody else with scrimmage reports, and that's good because it's kind of a return to normalcy. Because last year, yeah, I mean, look, I I don't have a problem with teams scoring points and big time offenses and stuff like that. I think uh, the game is entertaining that way, but I, I don't, yeah, you know, I, I don't see any scenario where the SEC becomes the Big Twelve. You know, I, I, and I think Oklahoma and Texas need to assimilate to the SEC like Texas A&M and Missouri did and not the other way around. Uh, and Oklahoma's building it on defense, and Texas has enough talent on defense. They just are, you know, have had soft issues for a while. Um, and so I was kind of happy because it's kind of like, you know, last year, and I'll tell you this, as, as pedestrian at times and uh, unmultidimensional at times as South Carolina's offense was in 2020, 
they went up and down the field in the scrolls, ever all the scrimmages against South Carolina's defense, which has, you know, had a bunch of guys that now are in the NFL and some guys that are going to be in the NFL, which is amazing considering how historically bad that defense was. Um, and I think COVID had something to do with that, but I also, you know, I kind of look at the body of work under Will Muschamp and there's a lot of guys that were part of defenses that, you know, for lack of a better term, were average, below average, stunk, whatever, that are in the NFL now balling. Uh, and you look at it, Izzy Mukwamu, you know, is playing like a holy – I've never seen, I've never seen that guy play like that, the way he's playing for the Cowboys. Um, you know, so – and, of course, he's playing safety and they're lining up all over the place. But, you know, it's not just, hey, he wasn't a corner, he was a safety. I think it's a, a lot that – you know, there's a lot more effort and toughness out of him uh, now that he's with the Cowboys. And Rico Dowdle's – RB three for the Cowboys too. So for those of you that, you know, never thought that Bobby Bentley could coach running backs, you know, there's, there's an example of a guy he evaluated, he took and turned into a NFL guy. So there you go. Uh, back to the scrimmage though. Uh, you know, I said with Gunner yesterday, I'm looking for the offense to respond. Well, with this situation though, I think if I'm the coaching staff, I'm, I'm going to kind of backtrack on that a little bit. I'm putting them under, you know, I'm trying to figure separate the wheat from the chaff. You know, I'm putting Zeb Norland and Jason Brown and Colton Gothie and Connor Jordan under all kinds of duress, not necessarily setting them up for success uh, and getting an evaluation that way. And so for that reason, it, it could be another defensive dominated scrimmage. South Carolina's defense is coming together. Um, I know there's issues in the back seven, but, uh, you know, it, it's coming together, you know, I, I think based on what I've heard. Uh, and the front has a chance to be really, really good. Uh, as we all know, you know, I don't want to overhype them and say top four in the SEC or anything like that, but uh, I think it's possible you see a resurgent front and one of the best, one of the better defensive lines the Gamecocks have had since 2014, where things just sort of fell off. After Clowney left and Quarles left in 2013, the defensive line you know, had coaching issues. You know, I thought 2017, Lance Thompson – after coaching these guys for three years, two years, got the best of them. You could tell kind of in the bowl game against Michigan, they were clicking. And then all of a sudden all the veterans departed and you're back to kind of square one. But, um, I mean, you know, then 2019, you had DJ Wanham and Javon Kinlaw who were both in the NFL on the D-line. And that helped you win the Georgia game. But, you know, then <laughs> anyway, that's another subject. <laughs> it's camp time. So, what I'm saying is uh, I I think that, you know, looking for more offensive production in the scrimmage, um, I, I don't know that that's probably a big key for me now that the quarterback situation is what it is. Uh, with another guy competing, with Jason Brown kind of having the inside track and not having played in two. I mean, you, you really need, I think, to, to test those guys. And I, I believe, based on what I've heard, that they will. Um. So there you go. Uh, I want to make this comment, and uh, I'm going to start with, uh, you know, a shout-out. I'm going to make a couple comments here. Start with a shout-out to Tim Tebow. Um, I know Tebow took a lot of crap from some people on social media for trying out with the Jaguars. He got cut yesterday, by the way. Urban Meyer cut him. Had to be tough, but let's face it, uh, Tim Tebow was not performing at a high level at tight end. Uh 
And I, I, I just, you know, look, I, and I've, I've, I know Tim Tebow. I covered him as a recruit, always been a, a, a real guy. You know, some people out there, they, you know, they, they wear their religion on their sleeve or whatever, but you hear all kinds of things about hypocrisy and, you know, you, you can just sort of tell Tim Tebow. No, Tim Tebow's real with all that. And um, I think it's a shame that some people in the media, the snarky people um, that probably have different political views and religious views than he does, uh, you know, use, you know, him attempting something, uh, you know, to, to, to criticize him based on that, because that's where it's coming from. I mean, you know, you shouldn't criticize a guy for going to trying to play minor league baseball. Nobody, nobody criticized Michael Jordan when he was that. I'm not saying Tim Tebow's Michael Jordan, but, uh, you know, Michael Jordan played for the Birmingham Barons. It was kind of like, ooh, you know, and, you know, Tebow was with the Mets for a while. And, I, yeah, I don't, I don't blame, yeah, as I said earlier, about putting the pads back on and, you know, all that. Um, you know, you, you don't get so many chances to play this game. Why not take a shot? Uh, and so I just wanted to say that. I know that's not Gamecock related. It's more, you know, SEC, NFL related. Uh, but I think it's a crying shame that people are taking shots at this guy, you know, just because they don't agree with his worldview or life view or whatever. I think we have too much of that these days. Uh, I think there's a lot of jealous people out there that cover college football. Uh, that are sad human beings, quite frankly, that are pushing an agenda. And you could see it during COVID and you could see it all over the place. Um, and that's just part of, part of it again. And it's, and it's not, it's not overtly mean or, 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 or cruel or, or critical. It's just snarky and it's BS in my opinion, you know, you, you, and it's not funny. I mean, I, you know, you're attacking the guy that, you know, obviously has accomplished a lot and loves his life. So, Anyway, enough about Tebow, uh, you know, transitioning to that, you know, and another kind of media thing, I'm going to tell you guys this. I think a lot of the fan base has a little bit of PTSD, if you want to call it that. I, I don't like using that term because, you know, there are people out there with like real PTSD that struggle with that on a daily basis. Um, you know, uh, people close to me, quite frankly, uh, you know, so that that's a serious deal, but, you know, I think, I think, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, PTSD uh, about the must champ injury reports, <laughs> which if South Carolina had been winning, I don't think anybody would have cared, but you know, it, it does get frustrating. It gets frustrating for the media too, where, you know, you're thinking your team is going to have player, player, player. And then you show up Saturday and they don't play. And then it's, well, he's got an arm, he's got a, this and that, or, or you know, the coach is asked directly about a guy and he's like, well, you know, he should be fine. They didn't play. Um, that's gotta be frustrating. Now college football, we don't have injury reports, you know, college coaches cannot talk about injuries and not discuss it and have policies like that. Um, Shane Beamer does not. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation out that Doty's injuries worse than it is. EJ Jenkins missed practice. Uh, yesterday and he may miss a couple more for a personal situation but you know Beamer's not lying I mean you know if he says personal situation that means it's none of your business I mean you're not entitled 
uh, as a fan or a booster or whatever of the university media member that covers the University of South Carolina, uh, you know, internet wannabe guru on Twitter or whatever, uh, you're not entitled to that information. You know, I, I, that, that's just the bottom line. These are college students still. I know that they're making money now and all that. Great for them. Um, but, you know, you, you're just not entitled to know, you know, what's going on with somebody if it's personal, in my opinion. Uh, so, you know, people are like, oh, you know, what's going on? What's the deal there? Well, you, you're not entitled to know. You're not entitled to know exactly why K. Ron Prunty left the program. You're not entitled to know why E.J. Jenkins uh, mispracticed. If it's personal, it's personal. And Beamer says that. Now, if it's an injury, you know, Beamer has been very forthcoming. Uh, and, and, you know, the speculation about Dodie may – and Dodie may not be ready for the opener. He's questionable. There's no question. And if his foot doesn't respond, he may be out longer. But nobody's been hiding anything. If they were hiding – if Shane Beamer were hiding something about Luke Dodie's injury – they wouldn't have wheeled him out in front of the media yesterday. You know, that, that you know, people that hide things aren't going to, they're not going to put their player out there and say, I right, go lie. You know, that, that's, that's just not, you know, if you know anything about Shane Beamer, that's not, this is not what he's all about. Um, and so I just wanted to state that because like I said, I think people are remembering Muschamp and, and freaking out a little bit. And, you know, and I understand the frustration about that. You know, college coaches are not required to disclose injuries. I mean, that, they are in the NFL. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to me to, for me to see in the coming years, you know, depending on who's running college football at the time, uh, if legalizing sports gambling state to state, if it gets all, you know, 48 of the 50 states or whatever, if there starts to be some sort of like, hey, uh, you, you guys mind, <laughs> you know, uh, enacting an injury policy and it's under the guise of competitiveness and fairness and all that. And they end up, um, they end up having some sort of system questionable, probable, you know, out, uh, just for the, uh, the folks that like to, to do the gambling. Uh, by the way, uh, I think South Carolina should legalize sports gambling and should have yesterday. Uh, they, that's, you know, our state needs money. It produces a lot of revenue. Uh, I, I think that, you know, with all the stuff that, you know, has evolved morally in society, you know, it's not as big of a deal uh, as maybe it once was. And you do have a lottery, which is gambling, <laughs> you know, so I don't, I don't really see the difference between gambling on sports and, you know, not, but uh, that's beside the point. That's, a, again, another show. So Shane Beamer is not a liar. I mean, he, he's not a he's not playing coy with anybody. You know, he, he shoots you straight. And if there's something he's not disclosing about a personal issue with a player, that's just personal. You know, that's just is what it is. You're not entitled to that information. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure people know that. I, I know that he used the word bullcrap about the narrative Saturday when Doty was hurt. And um, – I'll say this too about Shane. I've known him 15 years. Uh, there is a side to him that maybe does not come across uh, like the affable, positive energy guy that he displays most of the time. Um, and for a football coach, I think that's a good thing. You want a guy that hates losing, that uh, is competitive as heck, 
uh, and that's going to stand up and defend his program uh, whenever it's needed, you know, and, and I, there was some little bit of criticism about it and all that good stuff, but man, I, you know, I, I, I thought it was spot on. Uh, I thought it was spot on. And I said this on Keith's podcast the other day, cause Keith, you know, was talking about, Hey, you know, you've got an inexperienced head coach talking about Doty and, and how the inexperienced and head coach probably, you know, maybe contributed to Doty getting stepped on, which I, I don't agree with at all. I thought, you know, players get stepped on. It's a freak thing. Um, and, you know, my point with all that was South Carolina, you know, just got rid of a guy in Will Muschamp, and, and I'm not piling on Will. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to come out at some point, you know, and you're going to see it on the field that, you know, he did some good things, you know, recruiting-wise, you know, all that good stuff, got the facility built. Right now is not the time to discuss that because obviously everybody's raw about losing 19 of 27 games. But, you know, you, you just took the guy, you know, and, you know, many of us were fans of the hire. We, you know, from Ray Tanner to Keith Allsup to myself. I mean, you know, not going to back down from that. We were wrong. Bottom fell out. But, you know, you just had a guy that, that walked in the door with four years of SEC head, head coaching experience with, multiple years as a coordinator under some of the best coaches in college football. You know, are you telling me that, that, you know, experience means all that much, you know, uh, when it comes to avoiding injuries? And if so, how in the hell did they have so many injuries under Mr. Experience? You know, I think experience, guys, uh, is very overrated. Uh, if you look at college football today, you know, and and, uh, and it maybe it wasn't at one point, but you know, I look through it. Who are the better coaches? Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, Dabo Sweeney, you know, Nick Saban's. Yeah, you know, Nick Saban's still there. I mean, but, but but who are the top guys? You know, guys that don't aren't they aren't ten year, fifteen year coaching veterans. Uh, and I understand that at times, you know, certain people have a certain philosophy about it. And it's hard for them to change. But, you know, those of you out there that, that think Shane Beamer not being – not having experience led to that, I mean, that's dumb. That's dumb, especially if you followed the program under Muschamp. So, 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 so where was, you know, last year, you know, Mike Bobo is on the staff, 15 years in the SEC, you know, lots of experience on that. Tracy Rocker. You know, lots of experience on that staff coaching in this league. Why'd they have a rash of injuries and opt-outs and everything else? Why'd they go two and eight if that mattered so much? You know, I just don't think it does. Now, is Shane Beamer going to be perfect? No. Will he make some mistakes as a head coach? Absolutely. Many, 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 many head coaches do. Uh, just like any job, you you evolve and grow into it. I'm not saying that Shane is above criticism. I'm just saying about that, that, that was a freak accident. It happens. It happens. It happens. You know, and I, and yeah, that, that's just, uh, that's just the bottom line. So I wanted to address that as well. Beamer's not lying about injuries. Beamer not ever being a head coach has nothing to do with Luke Doty's injury, any other injury, you know, they've actually, I think, you know, and I've got a mailbag question about injuries here in a little bit. I think they've, I think they've actually been all right, you know, in terms of, of injuries and, and the, uh, 
in the preseason. He doesn't run I'll, – I'll say this. He does not run practices like Steve Spurrier where he's overly cautious about being physical, but he doesn't – it's not as like – it's not as physical and taxing as maybe must champs. There's kind of an in-between thing. Uh, and I think Shane realizes that you have to be physical. He wants it to be a physical team. But they also have to stay fresh. And uh, good Lord, you know, when I was in Columbia last week, I, I, I think I almost passed out walking to the car from the practice field. It's been that humid and muggy down there. But um, so anyway, I wanted to address that about Shane because I, you know, I, I, I'll say this, I, you know, when he deserves to be criticized or the coaching staff deserves to be criticized, I'll, I'll be right there with you. I'm not Mr. Pollyanna. I just believe in fairness. And, you know, to try to hang Luke Doty's foot injury on the fact he's inexperienced, well, hell, you know, like I said, what what good did all that experience do when South Carolina was completely depleted as a roster under Will Muschamp? You know, where was that experience, you know? Um, So, yeah, so, so there's that. Got some good news in the defensive backfield. Some guys, uh, and, and and this is a player that, you know, I mean, look, and, and I'll, I'll say this again. It's not positive that Karan Prunty is leaving or left. Uh, that's a guy they were counting on. Certainly his uh, performance as a freshman at Kansas speaks, speaks for itself. Uh, you know, you, you can't just say, oh, next next man up and you'll be fine, you know, initially. Because the secondary has a lot of guys that haven't played in a while. Uh, they have a lot of guys that are talented but unproven, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Cameron Smith is probably the most – Cameron Smith, R.J. Roderick are sort of the elder statesman in terms of taking snaps, Jalen Foster as well. But um, it's a very green group. And so Prunty was a veteran guy, and you're like, well, you know, that, that, that stinks. But Marcellus Dial, who I've mentioned several times, Spartanburg County product – uh, first guy from Woodruff, if I can remember, at Carolina uh, from over the years. Thanks, Red. Red likes the Woodruff, Woodruff Wolverines, don't you, buddy? Wolverines, Woodruff. School burnt down in the 80s, and REO Speedwagon played a concert in Woodruff to rebuild it. I wonder who remembers that. If you remember that, send an email to InsideTheGamePass at gmail.com and let me know. But um, – you know, Derek Jones was a player there. He's a coach now, assistant somewhere. Uh, ended up going to Ole Miss. And then, of course, Tony Rice went to Notre Dame. South Carolina hasn't really gotten – I mean, Woodruff hadn't put out a lot of guys, but if, if you're talking about small schools in Spartanburg County, Ch- Chapman actually has been a little better. Of course, you got, you know, Debo Samuel, obviously, Toby Cates from Chapman – but now we're from Woodruff. So Bobby Bentley found this guy because he scoured Spartanburg County, his home county, for the Gamecocks. They put him at JUCO. Uh, didn't play a whole lot for Georgia Military's first year. And then COVID wipes out the season, and then he enrolls. Um, I thought he was good in the spring game. I, he was one of my standouts. Uh, but like I said, when they got Prunty, I said, what this does is it keeps you from having to throw Marcellus Dial out there having not played in so long. I mean, Marcellus Dow is basically a freshman that sort of – I mean, you could compare it to a guy that redshirted as a freshman that played in four or less games because, you know, I think he got seven games in at GMC. Um, so he's very, very green as far as experience goes, but he's a good player. 
Um, and Beamer did say the other day, you know, he's been one of the, maybe the best player on defense the whole camp. Um, and so, you know, you start asking around and they're like, yeah, he's done well. And he's been doing really well since uh, summer workouts. You know, he was one of the standouts. John Whittle reported it in a VIP room on the Big Spur over the summer that Dial was a player some players were talking about. And I think he's got the moxie and the athleticism and the ability he just doesn't have any experience. So there's there's good news and bad news there. The good news is he's played really, really well uh, this preseason. The bad news is there's no experience. So you sort of got to look at it like, well, you know, uh, good thing Eastern Illinois. And I, I keep – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to say this on the opener. Nothing against Eastern Illinois at all. Um, they're a very young FCS team that's in a building process right now. Uh, and, you know, they're going to be decided underdogs against South Carolina. And I think that's good because you can throw people out there and get them used to game situations and, and not risk, you know, getting boat raced. <laughs> like you probably would if you're playing, you know, anybody, you know, I mean, look, if Coastal Carolina were coming in here, uh, I mean, I, I'll never sit there and say South Carolina will not beat Coastal Carolina in football, but that would be very scary. You know, you got great, you got 19 starters coming back for the Chanticleers off a team that doesn't believe it should ever lose against the big bad in-state in SEC program. Yeah, that would that would be, you know, butts would be getting tight, okay? Anybody from Coastal Carolina will not. But, you know, Eastern Illinois, it's kind of, you know, it's one of those uh, FCS teams that, that, like I said, very young, very undersized. Uh, so that's, that's a good news. It's good news that, you know, Marcellus Dial will get his chance to debut there. And and so will another guy that transferred in. Um, this guy is from Assumption College. And my good friend, Mike Yuva, who we got to get on the podcast sometime. I don't have many guests, but I'm going to get Mike on at some point. Uh, you know, he played, Mike played at Assumption College, too, where Platel played. And, uh, you know, he reported today that, you know, Platel had a bone-jarring hit that caused a fumble, which I think when you consider who South Carolina's backs are, that's pretty good. Um, it, assuming it was a back, uh, he's been playing nickel, which I think is a great position for him. When you watch Platel on film, very physical, very disciplined player, big defensive back. Uh, sometimes in coverage, though, at that level even, you know, he's not turn your hips, swivel your hips guy. Uh, but but I think Nickel and, uh, you know, he can get some spots at corner. And maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm just going by what I saw on film, you know, kind of the turning and running, recovery speed, that kind of thing wasn't something that blew me away. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, but, you know, so there's a guy, too, that got here over the summer that, you know, people kind of wondered, Assumption College, what the heck, you know, D2 guy or, or FCS guy, I think D2, um, from Everett, Massachusetts, you know. I don't remember South Carolina ever having a player from Massachusetts. But, you know, making some things happen. And I think that's good. And Platel, you know, Hopefully he gets a lot of snaps first week of the season, you know, because I, I think if he is that physical, if he's that fearless, if he, he – I mean, you could help. I mean, look at the tackling around here the last few years, especially in the secondary, man. <laughs> I mean, that's why I was so shocked about Izzy McQuamu. I'm like, 
you know, when he got drafted, I was like, he's going to get trucked in the, in the, in the, in the NFL. And then look, some, he's tall. So if a little or bad gets leverage on him, he's probably going to look like it. And he had a couple of plays like that. Hey, but I mean, he's sticking, I hate to even use this sticking his face in the fan and liking it. I don't, yeah, we don't want to use that. Do we, but, um, you know, that was non-existent at South Carolina <laughs> a lot. In fact, I would have run right at him all day, <laughs> you know, on the perimeter. Um, probably a good thing. Like Auburn didn't figure that out. Just like they didn't figure out not to throw Chad Morris couldn't figure out not to throw a JC Horn. Um, I don't remember if Izzy played against Auburn, maybe not, but I would have just run tank Bigsby on sweeps right at him. But right now you see how he's playing. Uh, Gamecocks need players though, that are going to do that at the collegiate level, you know, and then worry about the NFL and that hadn't happened in the second. Going back to Rashad Fenton, you know, Rashad was very disappointing toward the end. You know, didn't want to tackle anybody. Not the greatest tackler the whole time, but came on a little bit. You know, now he's got no problem tackling for money. So that's that. That's kind of the story of sometimes how it goes. Um, so Platel's doing good and, and making some some progress there. Uh, and I'll say this, you know. Looking at it, you know, Mukwamu and J.C. Horn and Rico Dowdle and, you know, what Jamie Robinson's doing at Florida State and all that, I'll say this about the silver lining here, you know, and I've said this for a while and I believe I'll end up being right. Um, There's more talent on the roster than you think. Uh, And you can kind of look at the NFL performances of some of these guys and say, like, look, you know, DJ Wanham was a fifth round draft pick doing really well with the Vikings. Um, you know, DJ was really good for South Carolina, played hard, got some key sacks and stops. They missed him in 2018, but you know, really, really good. Javon Kinlaw got injured, I think the other day, but, uh, and he's coming on for the 49ers first round draft pick, you know, and Kinlaw always played pretty well, I thought. I, I just, you know, that 2019 D-line was good, probably should have been better. Defense as a whole should have been better that year. Of course, the offense, I, you know, the defense probably was pretty good toward the end. The offense just stuck it up. But, you know, that's a good thing. You know, it, it's frustrating, I know, as fans to look and see the performance in college and the results that they had in college and then go, "Why? What? where was this guy? You know, where Keyshawn Nixon, you know, where was that guy? But I think that shows you, though, that from a talent standpoint, raw talent, and there's, I've said this, it takes way more talent, way, way more than talent to win. If it was just talent, Butch Jones would have never been fired at Tennessee. Uh, Jimbo Fisher would have never left Florida State because he'd have been rolling. You know, Clay Helton wouldn't be on the hot seat at Southern Cal if it were just about talent. Texas wouldn't have had three different coaches in however many years if it were just about talent. So it's not just about talent. And so I'm not guaranteeing there's going to be wins. But I'm saying if you kind of look at some clues here, you know, i.e. guys going to the league at the professional level from South Carolina and balling, you know, where was that guy? Uh, and then you could you could trace it, you know, and look, the, the situation at Florida for Muschamp was a lot different than the situation at Carolina. I think those two – there was failure at, at both places, but I think they were for different reasons. 
Uh, just like I said, when he was hired, you know, what related to Florida has nothing to do with anything, and it doesn't. Uh, but if you want, you know, if you want some clues here, uh, you know, Jim McElwain, who got fired himself after three, you know, two years and some change, uh, took Will Muschamp's players and won the division two years in a row. So, so they went from four and eight and six and five to back-to-back division title winners. I'm not predicting that for Shane Beamer at Carolina. What I am saying is there's more talent on the roster than people think. And, uh, you know, again, that's not saying they're going to win. But, you know, just like the other day, you know, before the Doty or right after the Doty injury or – now, it's actually when Prunty – uh, you know, I read some of them, we suck. This team sucks. Uh, I don't know where that comes from because, you know, hey, they may struggle. Like I said, winning in college football is a formula. It, it is formula, you know, formula-based. You can't just have talent. You know, the, one of the big concerns I have is, yes, these guys are talented, but you got talented guys that are, you know, green, like I said, a lot of inexperience. Uh Experience does matter, I think, when it comes to playing. Um, and then I, I don't know how confident this team is. Uh, you know, and, and the coaches have done all they can do in terms of confidence and staying positive and all that. But, you know, when adversity strikes during the season, i.e., you get down, say you get you turn the ball over at East Carolina. Let's East Carolina pops a, a play on you, your defense, you're out of position, you're down seven, nothing. Then boom, whoever's starting a quarterback throws a pick six. You're down 14 nothing. You know, uh, the 40,000 East Carolina fans that are there, because I think Carolina will bring 16,000 up to Greenville. Maybe not quite that much, but, you know, 10 to six, 10 to 10 to 14. You know, and those fans are howling at you because they have hellacious fans at ECU. I'll tell you that right now. How are they, how is South Carolina going to respond? Or is it going to be a here we go again? And Shane Beamer and Derek Moore and Luke Day and Marcus Satterfield and Clayton White, Tory and Gray, all the coaches could do all they want. But you just never know. You know, these are football players. These are college kids. You don't know for sure. You know, you could set them up for success mentally. But when you've lost that much, you know, when you've lost 19 of 27 football games and a lot of your better players have been here for a bunch of them. Some of them have been there since Muschamp's first year. Randerigas Davis, looking at you. Um, that's hard to shake sometimes. It's hard to get that confidence. Uh, and so, to me, that's a bigger problem than overall talent. Now, again, there's holes, and I'm going to freely admit that. I'm not going to pretend like South Carolina is anywhere close to even – top of the bottom third of the SEC at receiver right now, that could change. There is some, There are some guys that give them a chance. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like the secondary situation is ideal. Uh, and I don't know about the linebackers without them being, you know, they haven't been healthy. And so, you know, I'd be dumb to sit here and say, oh, they're loaded across the board. I think they'll be okay across the board. I think some positions are really, really good. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that. But I do think, you know, the this team sucks. Uh, it's ridiculous. You know, they don't they don't suck. Believe me, I think there's 
There are schools even in the SEC East that I think maybe have more roster issues than South Carolina. Um, you know, like I said, they just need some guys to step up. Uh, keep getting questions about recruiting uh, this class, and I, I've been talking about the secondary, so I'll just tack this on. Everybody, some people, you know, not not everybody, but some keep asking me why. Why are they taking all these safeties in the class and no corners? Um, and I'll tell you why. They've got a lot of young corners on the roster that have a lot of years of uh, eligibility left, and they like them, you know. Uh, and plus. Some of these guys will um, will be able to play uh, corner. That they, Emory Floyd is a guy like that, that they could play corner in this class. Um, you can't shut him out. Keenan Nelson obviously had played corner in high school. I think he's probably more of a safety. Now there's some guys that can play that spot. Anthony Rhodes could definitely be a corner. Maybe he would be a six foot four corner while at South Carolina. But, could play physical. I think I like Rose's chances of doing that more than Mahwamu's in college. I wish Izzy would have played that way at South Carolina. Um, you know, so, so there are some guys and some options they could switch, but they, you know, Dominic Hill, Joey Hunter, O'Donnell Fortune's kind of a tweener guy. Uh, Isaiah Norris, who just got there, is going to be really good. Marcella Style is a corner. Cameron Smith still has a lot of eligibility left. Um. They're, they're not, you know, the, the need is obviously at safety because right now your projected starters at safety are still R.J. Roderick and Jalen Foster. Um, and then you have Jalen Dickerson, who obviously has been hurt most of his career. Uh, and, you know, kind of scrambling for guys. O'Donnell Fortune may play back there. Uh, you know, Jamar Brown is the nickel safety. I, I kind of like – I kind of like Jamar Brown, at, at, if they can find it, let's say Carlin Splatel ends up winning the nickel job or could, could play the nickel and give you a start there. You know, moving Brown back to the other safety ahead of Foster, you know, back there with Roderick. I don't, I don't know because then it's Brown and Roderick are kind of similar guys. You need sort of a, a free safety. Jalen Foster, by the way, has had a good camp. Um, and he's a guy that's right there. You know, nobody wants to hear this because you're basically describing JT eBay. Um, and look, I feel bad for JT, what happened to the Panthers camp. And I'm, I'm going to try to pile on him. There's another guy that was in camp, you know, that less than ideal at South Carolina. Um, but, you know, you heard this about JT eBay and that's why he played. Uh, Foster's in the right spot at the right time, knows his assignments. Uh, Burns high guy. Walked on after transfer from Gardner Webb, Spartanburg County guy. Uh, but they, the new staff likes him, likes him. Um, and he hasn't relinquished his starting job yet. We'll see if anything changes uh, moving forward. But let's say, you know, Platel gets the job. You could move Brown back. You, you could start, you know, if it were me and depending on how well R.J. Roderick can play in football games because I know he's really good in practice. If it were me, I, I think, you know, and I, I'm sure you guys probably feel the same way. Uh, Jamar Brown and Jalen Dickerson, if Dickerson were full go and knock on wood, he has not been injured yet. And Brown had a stinger or something the other day, but he, he's going to be fine. That may be the, those may be the guys if you can find a nickel in the four, two, five, 
whether that's Platel, David Spaulding, who's had a pretty good run of it, O'Donnell Fortune, Joey Hunter, whoever. Um, that that may make me feel a little better, you know. And, and I'm a Burns guy, you know. I'm pulling for Jalen Foster, but you know, you, you look at it sort of when you compare it to last season down the stretch, and it, it gets a little scary. Um, so anyway, there's all that. Wanted to go through the uh, pet a piece on the big spur. If you're not a VIP member, you can still read this. It's the projected starters on offense, and uh, so I'm going to go through. That good stuff. Um, maybe a JC and Morgan podcast later, by the way. Okay, so quarterback will start with it first game. And this was before the Zeb Norland news. So I, I, I probably wouldn't have thrown him in there, even if I'd have known. But uh, Jason Brown or Luke Doty, if Luke makes it back, I'm, I think he'll start against uh, Eastern Illinois. Uh, running back, I've got Marshawn Lloyd or Kevin Harris or Zaquandre White. You know, Kevin Harris is still nursing a back injury. White has had one of the best off seasons of anybody. Keep in mind, Zaquandre White was the number one JUCO running back coming out of college. He got here a little late last year. Couldn't hold on to the ball. I know somebody forced a fumble. I mean, Boogie Huntley kind of blew him up on a botched handoff the other day, and everybody's like, oh, ball control. Don't be dumb. You know, don't overreact off a practice clip and a certain drill. Uh, White, by all accounts, has been holding on to it better. I mean, he got, what, 20-something carries in the spring game. You didn't see that. Took some shots. Uh, Lloyd, though, obviously is a stud and um, all that. My, my opinion of this is Kevin Harris will be back, but they may not. he may not start that first game sort of depending on – you know, how he grades out in practice assignment-wise and all that. You know, you got to be careful with him. You want him ready for, you know, ECU and Georgia and, you know, Kentucky and Vandy and Tennessee and all those schools. Um, you know, so you, you probably don't want to rush him back, especially with the back. Back back stuff, I mentioned this that last Tiger Woods, you know, the, the back stuff's terrible. Receiver to carry on Joyner. Um much was made about Beamer talking about Joiner taking snaps at quarterback. I've been screaming from the mountaintops that that's not a move back to quarterback. That is a, you know, a wildcat package that, you know, they've been working on since the spring that Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, publicly talked about. Um, and you just want to kind of get him – you know, experienced in, in practice, taking snaps and, and and maybe running a few more than the Wildcat package plays because, you know, what emergency time. I mean, you know, you have to prepare for all contingencies. More freakish. I mean, you guys remember the, what was it, 2011 season when Marcus Lattimore got hurt uh, and everybody else was hurt at running back. I think Kenny Miles maybe uh, was – somebody was hurt. Anyway, they were down to like their fourth string back, and it was Brandon Wilds, a true freshman. He actually played pretty well. So, you know, there's been times at certain positions where that's happened. I don't know if I've seen him come to the fifth string quarterback yet, but, you know, look, we all lived through the 1999 season, didn't we? Kevin Sides, Kyle Crabb, Mikhail Goodman, Phil Petty. Carlos Spike started at quarterback one year, one of those games, I think, or played a bunch. So, anyway, uh, 
so that's why Joiner's repping. I mean, you know, and and, and they're going to have some packages. He and Jaheim Bell both are going to have some direct snap stuff. Um, maybe a couple other guys too. Uh, this offense has a lot of different gadgets and things in it. But DeCarrion Joiner has been very solid at receiver. He's made a lot of plays. Uh, he's comfortable there now. You kind of tell during the spring game, uh, during the practice, I watched vocal leader called everything that was thrown to him. Uh, I think he's going to be a big factor. So that's one receiver at starting. And then the other one's Jalen Brooks. Now, I've seen Joyner do it. I haven't seen Brooks do it. He got one really one shot in the spring game on a long ball and he was covered. And then in practice, they didn't, the one practice I saw, they didn't throw it to him and all that. But, you know, physically, Jalen Brooks looked pretty freakish when, when I saw him uh, at practice to eyeball test wise. He, be- and I've said this from the start, he belongs athletically. I know the performance wasn't what was hoped for last season. And he kind of had to get comfortable, but you know, people are always going to remember LSU and Texas A and that drop against AM. But, you know, he responded down the stretch and, and played pretty well and looked like he belonged. So Jalen Brooks is the other starter at receiver, in my opinion. Amari and Brown is still banged up a little bit. Um, you know, Xavier Leggett is another guy to kind of look at there. But uh, right now, I feel pretty comfortable saying Joyner, Brooks, Josh Van, uh, just like Beamer said in the presser the other day, top three receivers. And then after that, I think Xavier Leggett or Trey Smith and Marion Brown, maybe a little Rico Powers. You know, if Brown doesn't get healthy, I mean, it, it, it may be hard for him to make an impact like we all thought. So tight end, obviously the attached tight end, that's Nick Muse. Uh, third team all SEC, you know, if he can play consistently good this year, he's another leader on the team. I think he can really help, and I think he can play on Sundays. Offensive line, and, and this has kind of been the same because Ja'Kai Moore has been a little bit banged up and hadn't really gotten a chance to push for that left tackle job. But Jaston Turnantine, 6'7", 342. Jalen Nichols at left guard, Turnantine's left tackle, 6'5", 327. That's a bunch of beef there. Uh, at the center, Eric Douglas, Remington Award nominee last year, probably had the best year of any offensive lineman consistently. Really a godsend, you know, Eric Douglas's performance last year. Right tackle, Dylan Wanham needs to return to form um, just like he was 2018 as a true freshman All-American. Uh, I think he's capable. I think with a lot of the big guys last year, you know, Everybody in the country dealt with COVID, but you sort of looked around the country. A lot of the big guys really needed that off-season conditioning and, and things like that. Uh, and then Jovan Gwynn, who's one of the toughest players on the team, he's made 21 straight starts at right guard. Yeah, that offensive line has a shot, you know, a lot of shot. Uh, you know, South Carolina's offense and defense will be multiple. Uh, and so there are certain guys that I, I listed as projected starters, but – it just kind of depends on the formation. You have tight end, wide receiver, EJ Jenkins. Um, you know, once he gets back, you know, I, I have it on pretty good authority. He's going to be a big part of the offense this year. Needs to get back, though, because every rep is important for a guy that's, you know, that he hadn't played in a couple of years. He's coming from St. Francis. Uh, and then tight end, H-back, Jaheim Bell. Jaheim, to me, 
if I had to circle one guy on offense that has a chance to just ball out and be a guy that everybody wants, you know, everybody gets excited when they get the ball to him, it's Jaheim. And he's got a little bit of moxie about him too. And so I really like him, you know, in a lot of ways, handing him the ball, throwing him the ball, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, Kevion Mullins too. And I'm glad Mullins is back healthy and he's certainly fast, but uh, Jaheim Bell really showed me something, not only in the spring game, but during his high school career in Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, again, mentioning Bobby Bentley again, he's, he flipped him from Florida. Uh, there's a reason Florida wanted him. There's a reason Oklahoma wanted him. Um, and it's a shame that he was hurt and still recovering last year, but he's all systems go now. Very important part of the offense. So, again, you can read that article for free on the Big Spur Projected Starters Offense and, um, and go through there. I'm going to write about the defense soon, and we'll talk about that here on the podcast as well. So it's time for the I Help Consulting Mailbag. Didn't mention it at the beginning. Want to thank Heritage Digital for sponsoring that segment we just finished on the podcast. Uh, please be sure to patronize those guys. Call Matt. Uh, they'll get your system running to perfection for a low fee every month, as we said at the top. But I help consulting uh, is another, I guess, business type of helping or something that can help your business. And what they're going to do is save you money across the board. They're they're going to, you know, talk talk to you about credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else. Uh, I help consulting is a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help business save money on expenses. Uh, and if they can't find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality, then you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's of no cost to you. So call or text my good friend, Daniel Owens at I help 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? Uh, that's Daniel Owens, Gamecock owned and operated business. Uh, obviously, we're always looking to increase and improve our bottom line as business owners. I know I am. Uh, Daniel can really help you. And if he can't, you don't have to pay him anything. So you can't. There's no There's no downside with iHelp Consulting or Heritage Digital. Uh, so I really appreciate those two. Please, 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 if you have a business, uh, take the time. Tell them JC sent you and all that good stuff. All right, I help consulting inbox or mailbag. You can reach the I help consulting mailbag two ways. First of all, you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please, please, please follow that. Um, and um, you know, tweet to me if you want the mailbag. You can also email me inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. We have several of them. Um, HBT, South Carolina Sports. Uh, that's the handle on Twitter. Not sure what this is. It's a, oh, it's a South Carolina sports feed. Mr. Thornton. He just says, four-way tie for first place, the Big Spur pod, Gamecock pod, Gamecock Central, sports media, JB, JB and Goldwater, and F. PFP Pascal. Uh, I gave Pascal a shout out the other day. Didn't know he's writing articles for the enemy. I'm just kidding. They're not really the enemy. Um, 
you know, Gamecock Central or whatever. So, anyway, I, I like Pascal's podcast. I think it's pretty cool. Um, so, thanks. Thanks for the shout-out, HBT Sports. Uh, Riddle, Riddle, A Riddle. JC, is there any comparison in Colton Gauthier and Jake Bentley? Jake is slinging it was productive at times. I know it's a different situation. Interested to see if Colton comes in, if he's capable of doing something similar to Jake. I don't, I'm not, you know, I, again, I can't, I can't rule it out, you know, just because you never know what's going to happen in a season. I know they really like Colton, but I don't anticipate him having a Jake Bentley type impact in the first year, just like Jake, like Jake did. Um, Jake was by far the best quarterback on the team. They had Brandon McElwain and Perry Orth, and, and I think Kurt Roper and those guys were just trying to kind of sneak by, you know, see what they could do. And then that, that, that situation just got – I mean, they, they were going nowhere uh, with uh, McElwain. And then Perry played better than Brandon, I thought, that year, but – it always kind of seemed like the offense would stall and then the game packs would get behind, but then they'd move it with Perry. You know, Jake kind of Jake kind of solidified that thing. Uh, you know, and then of course Rico Dowdle emerged, Brian Edwards got better as the season went on, that kind of thing. Um, so and I and I, I, I too, you know, I I said Gauthier to me is somewhere between Blake Mitchell and Charlie Whitehurst. And I think I think those are the comparisons. Now there's a there's a group of Jake Bentley hater, haters out there that are going to say Blake Mitchell was a better quarterback than Jake. Probably because Blake beat Clemson. I mean, he beat the 2006 Clemson Tigers, and Jake had to face the 2016 and 2017 Clemson Tigers and 2018 Clemson Tigers, where he actually did really well. Um, You know, different time period. Blake got to play with Steve Spurrier. Blake – you know, probably had, I mean, he had Sidney and Kenny McKinley. Jake in 2018 probably had, you know, a more complete receiving core. But I want you to imagine something. What if Steve Spurrier had been calling plays that whole year <laughs> and dialing them up? You know, I, I don't know. You know, of course, if Steve Spurrier were coaching, Michael Skarnecchia could have, you know, won the job with the Missouri game that season because Skarnecchia played pretty well, but um, so, so yeah, I don't, I don't think, <clears throat> I don't foresee that kind of impact from Colton. Now I could be wrong. Uh, that's not something I'm going to slam the door on. I, I think though that, you know, unlike the situation with Orth and then everybody found out what you really had McElwain, which is a guy that was allegedly a runner, but he wasn't really that good of a runner and he couldn't throw it. Um, and he just sort of found that out that year. Uh, I, I have faith in the other quarterbacks. I have faith in Luke Doty. I have faith in Jason Brown. Uh, we'll see what Zeb Norland can do. Older guy. South Carolina's quarterback situation is probably a little better than it was that year. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, hey, Colton Gauthier could end up being having a better career than Jake did at South Carolina. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying long-term he can't match Jake, but I would just be surprised. If, if that happened this season. Um, and again, in case you, you know, Riddle, in, in case you've been reading and, and you're not called up, the, those tweets about or reports about Colton being the front runner for the job, the, the, that wasn't, that's not the case. That's not the case. 
Gamecock Pundit says, JC, you've mentioned a few times about Juju as a punt returner, but in one of Hale's reports, he was a kick returner. Can you clarify? Yes, he's doing both. Both. Um, now, on certain days, I've read the reports and, you know, seen that uh, they have different groups with punt returner, kick returner, but, uh, you know, I saw him in a punt returner drill. I think that's probably where he's the most electric. I, I think that a kick returner, you know, if Saquandre White is indeed your third back, okay, that's a good spot for him. And I think DeCarian Joyner at kick returner too. I like him at kick returner as well. Um, if, 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 if it were me and I was just saying, hey, you know, th- this is what I think. And look, I'm not at practice every day. I go up, you know, I I have my opinions, but, you know, there may be something there. I mean, one of these guys may be fumbling the ball all over the place or whatever. You can't play a guy at returner that way. You can't. You don't need a turnover on special teams. Um, if I had, you know, if I were just spitballing it, I, I'd say Juju probably a great – as long as he can field it and as long as he doesn't get the jitters, which – Everything about Juju McDowell appears to be fearless. He's my punt returner, and then I'm I'm having White and uh, Joiner back there at kickoff. Um, and then I'm hoping you know that they force some punts this year. You know, I, I don't think uh, who was the punt returner last year. I don't even. God, who was it? Who returned punts last season? Oh, Jamie Robinson. Yeah, he, he didn't get a whole lot of opportunity. So, I think he had seven returns all year. So, the defense has to get off the field. You have to actually force punts. I You know, you hear the stories about Beamer Ball and special teams, and that's a big emphasis, and Pete Limbo's an outstanding special teams coach. Maybe they block some. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so that would be my thing. But, you know, look, it, if Juju McDowell is the kickoff returner, um, to start the season and somebody else is returning punts, then, you know, great. But uh, he's been working at both, so there's the clarification there. And he's also, you know, we, we all saw the uh, the handoff the other day, the, the gloom and doom big run that he broke with the spin move. Um, you know, that, that guy, he, he's going to have the opportunity to, you know, make the band play a couple times this year, I, I think, as a true freshman and really – you know, like I told you when they signed that 2021 class, that there are some players in that group on the high school level that are going to be good. You know, Darian Craig is an example that he's running 13 corner right now at Alabama. You know, Omega Blake is going to take some coaching up, but, I, you know, I think he's got a bright future. Nick Barrett, you know, really has performed well. And then Juju. So, there's there as I told you about that class that everybody was freaking out about because it was ranked 80th because they didn't count the transfers and all that. There are some guys in there, and because you know of the red shirting last year, everybody redshirted in 2020. You do have a nice collection of younger players. Uh, and before you know, my guy that always likes to talk about it points it out. I know that every other team in the country got the extra red shirt as well. But it's not really about that. And I'm not I'm not predicting competitiveness or not. I'm talking players and roster, which is a different subject. And so uh, 
that's just kind of that. When you look back at that 2021 class that everybody's so worried about, there are some guys that are showing some signs early on, and Juju McDowell's definitely one of them. If I had to say one guy, uh, provided something unexpected doesn't happen and Colton does win the job, uh, I'd say Juju is probably the, the freshman that's going to make the most impact uh, this season. Oh, from that 2021 class and not, not listed freshmen because some of the transfers are freshmen too, but uh, you know, I, I would, I would guess that would be the guy, um, you know, and Marcella style and Isaiah Norris and some of these other guys were also part of it. Uh, you know, TJ Sanders is a D lineman has a big future too. Uh, but, you know, if, if you want to know, you know, the guy that's a freshman in this class is probably going to, you probably gonna hear his name. Mr. Juju McDowell, listed at 5'9", 177. Lots of arguments coming my way about how, you know, and, and look, I, I'm going to tell you this right now. I saw him in person. He's, he looks small. He does. Uh, but, hey, you know, we remember Trendon Holiday from LSU, two guys from LSU, actually. Uh, Trendon Holiday was a, a returner with the elite speed. And Juju's got that. Um, everybody remembers Ace Sanders in the return game. Juju's probably got better straight line speed than Ace. Uh, and, and Juju's a running back, not a receiver. Um, you know, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think, uh, was LSU's running back in 2019 when they won the national championship. Now, he came in to LSU at 5'7", 191. Uh, he's now 5'7", 210. So Juju would have to bulk up, but Juju's taller, two inches taller and, you know, 14 pounds lighter, but, uh, you know, he can bulk up as well uh, down the road. If he gets, if he plays running back and, and look, if he doesn't, they're going to find a spot for him, get the ball in his hands. I mean, that, that that's, that's the name of the game on offense this year. And, you know, like I said, it's not going to surprise me to see him do that. So got off track there with, uh, with that. I hope I answered your question, Gamecock Pundit, and I certainly appreciate it. Uh, Tristan comes in to the inbox, the inbox as part of the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Again, please give iHelp Consulting a shout for me. really helps the podcast. Tell them JC sent you too, because some people probably call up and don't, they fail to mention that, you know, so just be sure to mention it. Uh, again, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com is the inbox and certainly love all the emails and all that. Love the mailbag segment, quite frankly. Tristan says, is Big Ben a good comparison for Jason Brown? Just popped in my head when you started talking about it. Well, I don't know. Uh, Roethlisberger had a big arm and it was more, you know, you look at, or has, he's still playing, um, you look at his fundamentals, you look at kind of where the, how the ball comes out of his hand, and, and that's significantly different than Jason Brown right now. Um, you know, as far as size goes, you know, Brown was 240 in the spring. He's down to 228 now. Uh, it's six foot three. Uh, so you could physically maybe compare them. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a – I would not make that comparison. I don't like player comparisons anyway. But but I would say probably that they're different, uh, different types of players uh, right now. I you know I, I don't know 
you know, I, I compared, I compared how the ball comes out of his hands and his release and, and all that to Vince Young, uh, just because of Vince's throwing motion and all that. But I'm not saying the guy, I mean, Vince Young is one of the best players in college football history. I mean, you know, that, I would be asinine if I said, yeah, this guy's Vince Young. <laughs> what? Turn it off. Unsubscribe. This guy's a lunatic. Um, but yeah, as, as far as uh, being a bigger quarterback, you know, with an arm, uh, you know, physically you could compare it to Big Ben. And, that, and I think the offense will, you know, may look a little like some of the stuff that you see from the Steelers at times. They've got a lot of interesting elements to this offense. Uh, with Jason Brown in there, I think with Luke Doty in there, you're going to look a little different uh, than you will with Brown or Zeb Norland or any of the guys. Tristan, don't be a stranger. Please continue to email. Hudson says, what's up, JC? Seems like a lot of leg, lower leg injuries have already occurred this year. Cam Smith, Luke Doty, Rick Sanders, to name a few. All right, just for clarification, Smith is a foot that's been lingering since summer. Doty is a foot. Sandage is a leg. I know Luke's is more of a freak accident, but with others, is there any validity to the rumors about lower leg injuries being more common in Under Armour cleats? I have not studied that, Hudson. Um, I would go look at Notre Dame's lower leg injuries and Texas Tech's lower leg injuries and Maryland's lower, lower leg injuries and USF's lower leg injuries. Um, who else is an Under Armour school? Auburn's lower leg injuries and see if it stacks up. I personally think that so, uh, here's what I know a long time ago. Okay. 10, 10, 10 plus years. South Carolina has been an under armor school for 14 years now. A lot of the players hated the cleats and I don't blame them. And, you know, Steve Spurrier almost was like, you know, Let's get somebody else to do the shoes. Uh, Spurrier, his first year, if you remember, they had Reebok shoes and uh, Russell Athletic was the apparel because I don't think, I don't know if Russell did cleats or not. But, uh, you know, and the, a lot of the kids still today, if you ask them if they like Nike or Under Armour cleats better, they're going to say we prefer Nike. That's just a preference. And, you know, someday the Gamecocks probably need to go to Nike. Just to be honest, I think Under Armour – was a emerging brand 14 years ago. I think that now it's probably not, you know, I think I have personally been extremely disappointed with the, with the uniform deal just because they can't get the colors right. They, they subtly change it every year and then put it up on a pedestal like they've done something. And then you look at some of their other programs that they outfit you know, not Auburn because Auburn kind of does the Auburn's more traditional with their uniforms, but then, you know, your Texas techs of the world and your, um, you know, your programs like that, Notre Dame, did they get the, did they buy out of the Notre Dame Under Armour deal or not? I know they bought out of UCLA. I'm going to Google that real quick. Cause that's a, uh, that's important. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, and I'm, I'm not even a uniform guy. I just, um, you know, I, I, I've just been disappointed. It's kind of, uh, you know, kind of one of those things, you know, I, 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 I've just, it's, it's been wearing on me and it may be because of Will Muschamp's 
philosophy where the kids pick the uniforms and every week, you know, you look like NC state one week and you're like Texas tech one week. And it just, it's not the game, you know, on top of the losing, it's not the game guys, you know, and there's, you know, as I say this, I pull up the, uh, you know, the issue of, you know, uh, Notre Dame and they're still in it for three years. And, um, you know, they canceled with Cal, Cincinnati, Boston College, UCLA, and Hawaii over the summer. So, you know, Notre Dame is still on there. But, yeah, like, look, I don't know who the heck is in charge of making the Under Armour uniforms at South Carolina, but there are very few good looks, you know, that they have come up with. And then they keep, like I said, get and look, the, the garnet, I, I think a lot of people you can ask three different you know, people what's the right shade of garnet, and you get three different answers. But I'm just not a fan. You know, I, I think the Stormtrooper look, looks good. The big game garnet looks good. I think the all black at times has looked good. I just think they could do more, you know. And, and I think with Muschamp, you know, what somebody should have done, you know, if, if Will wasn't going to do it, is say, hey, look, you know, we're letting our players pick what the uniform is every week. The idea is you have creative uniforms every week and it helps you in recruiting because people think that's cool, kind of like Oregon. But you you don't just like spin the wheel of color and, and say, okay, well, it's black, garnet, and white this week, or it's this, that, and the other. You know, that doesn't excite anybody. I mean, where's the uh, – you know, and I, and I know they had the script Carolina helmet one year, and then they had the throwback to the 80s jerseys one year. But, you know, they, if you're going to change it up every week, you need something like that every week. Otherwise, you know, have a game during the year. Hey, it's going to be throwback weekend, and you go do it and and move on. You know, where where is the Palmetto and Crescent helmet that people have been clamoring for? You know, bring – you know, the, the Eagles looking things, the, the wing thing that Sean Elliott had against Florida that day, man, bring that back again. It's just, I don't know. I've just noticed a lack of creativity, you know, even with the throwback jerseys and stuff from Under Armour, as it relates to South Carolina, I think other schools, they do a good job, but you compare it to Adidas or Nike and it's just not, it's just not there anymore, you know? And, and it's a shame because I know the university makes a lot of money off of it and it's uh you know, it's South Carolina is not getting as much money from Nike as they are from Under Armour. It's just not going to happen. Um, but but if I'm if I'm Ray Tanner, you know, I look right now, you know, the SEC is going to start making a lot more money TV wise. You're going to have a lot more resources um, to work with. So the Under Armour contract is not going to be as important. Um but right now, you know, after the pandemic and stuff like that, you know, and the loss of revenue last year, you know, I, I'm probably not, you know, you, you, it's not going to make as of a huge difference in recruiting and things like that right now. I mean, you know, nobody's not going to Auburn because they're under armor or Notre Dame or whatever. So I'm not going to try to get out of it, but if they come to me and say, we'd like to get out of this, you know, sure. Buy me out. And, um, and then I'm going to take Don Staley and Frank Martin and push for the Jumpman Jordan thing, like Florida's got, North Carolina's got. Uh, and I know they're like, well, we don't, you know, we 
We just want one per comp. Oklahoma has this as well. So Shane Beamer probably has a connection, but that brand's going to expand or, you know, or something like that, or I'd go with Adidas. Uh, they've, they've actually stepped it up. Um, you know, and, and I mean, that's the thing, but getting back to your point, Hudson, as far as the cleats go, that was something that was said one time and that has nothing to do with the cleats have nothing to do with the injuries. And, and actually South Carolina is sort of, I mean, I, I know it sucks when Doty get, you know, when your starting quarterback potentially gets hurt. Uh, and of course, Cam Smith did, did his thing before practice. So I know that sucks. Uh, and things are magnified, but uh, I, I can tell you that, that what you're hearing with the Under Armour stuff, uh, unless Notre Dame and everybody else has the issue, what you're hearing is something that some player 14 years ago mentioned, and people keep talking about it. So, yeah, you said he heard a rumor from student equipment staff. Yeah, those guys need to quit talking to people, by the way, some of them. Some of those equipment guys are, you know, are, are not quite accurate with some of their information they've been spreading out to people. So anyway, he says, please don't see this as a uniform complaint. Everyone likes to harp on. No, no, not at all. I care less what brand the uniforms are. Just want to see wins. Me too. But, but I have been disappointed. I mean, I'd, I'd be dumb if I didn't. I mean, and I, and this is like, and like, again, again, maybe it's because of the losing. I mean, maybe it's just like, Nobody ever said boo about the uniforms or cleats when Spurrier was winning 11 games and beating clubs. Um, but, and, you know, you start struggling and this starts coming up. But uh, I'm with you. I just, you know, the, the, the uniform situation the last few years really wore on me. You know, because there's just some games where it's like, I know the kids picked these out and all, but, you know, they're ugly as sin. You know, this is nothing like Oregon or even Maryland uh, Under Armour's, you know, flagships, Kevin Plank's alma mater, where they had some cool designs. You know, this is just mixing and matching colors. It's like spin the wheel of uniform. Um, so, I, I didn't like this. Maybe maybe I'm getting old, but uh, I will. I do expect Shane Beamer to go back to a more traditional look. Um, other than the kids love the black helmets and – Recruits have told him that. So I, I don't expect those to go in the cupboard. Uh, I think they will wear those some. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've been disappointed with Under Armour. But, um, yeah, that, 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 that thing with the cleats. And, and look, I, I'm, not, I'm not dismissing the equipment staff students saying that the, the kids don't happy – or, sorry, the kids don't necessarily like them, like if they wore Nike in high school or Adidas or whatever. Uh, I'm not saying that – under Armour is everybody's favorite brand and they don't, you know, they're and everybody has their favorite kind of shoes and stuff. But, um, you know, I, that, that, that got started back in 07, 08 when they first switched to Under Armour. Uh, I think it was a valid concern at the time, uh, but they started winning and nobody, nobody said anything about it. So I, 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 I don't think the cleats have had anything to do with, uh, any of the injuries this year or any of the injuries previously. Um, Cause look with all the injuries South Carolina's had the last three years, if that were the case, there is no way in HE double hockey sticks must champ it. And even if Tanner wouldn't change must champ it. And like, 
you know, going to the board of trustees and the school president and everybody else demanding a change. I mean, if the shoes are the problem, you, you could, you're going to race heck to fix it. You know, and personally, I think if the shoes were the problem and one of the coaches went to Tanner and said, we need to fix this, they'd, they'd fix it. Because you never want that to be the reason you're losing players. So, but as far as uniforms go, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I haven't, I've, I, I, I I used to really like Under Armour. I, I thought, you know, for a while there, everything was cool, but I, I've really jumped off the bandwagon the last couple of years just because I think there's some missed opportunity. <laughs> My apologies for that, folks. Woo. Mm. I don't know what I swallowed. <laughs> All right, so I got to jump off. <clears throat> I got JB and Goldwater coming up. Um <clears throat> This is the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. This is J.C. Sherbert, and we will holla at you soon.